With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom by simply visiting www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate to make a difference today. You're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. I always say we're blessed, but we're particularly blessed because this morning we have Western A. Price Foundation leader and eco-nutritionist. She's been on before. She's absolutely spellbinding and lovely. Phyllis Titchenen, good morning. Good morning, Rodney, and all of you folks out there in Radioland. Radioland. And it's quite funny because we call it radio, but it's sort of internet radio. I don't know how you describe that now. We're on the internet web thingy. Goodness knows how it works, but then I never knew how radio worked either. But tell me, hmm. you're on my one of my favorite topics, talking about one of my heroes and heroines, which is Dr. Weston A. Price and his wonderful wife. Florence, by the way. Let's Florence. not forget Florence. Florence was amazing. Mm. And what they did, and the book that they wrote, and I often get it around the wrong way, is it physical degeneration? And no, it starts with nutrition. Nutrition. Human nutrition and physical degeneration is it? It's just, oops, how am I doing this? Just nutrition. Nutrition, nutrition and, physical and physical degeneration. degeneration. What a book. Yeah. I If anyone wants to, there's no other book to read on nutritional diet because everything else is fake in terms of not having the empirical basis, which was available to us through that one window. But, so I'm going to have to hold my tongue because I just get so excited about this topic. And I've got you on it, who's an expert. Phyllis, tell us about the Western A Prize Foundation. I will, but I'll just say, one of these days, Rodney, we should switch this around and I'll interview you on Western <laughs> A Prize. Would that make you happier? Oh, goodness me. It is, um, it is, it is a just a... Great. So who was Weston Price? Weston yeah. Price was a dentist. Um, he practiced in the 1920s and 30s and 40s in Cleveland, Ohio. And he was quite well known and respected in his day and, you know, was a science researcher at the same time he was a dentist. So appeared in peer, you know, published in peer-reviewed journals. Um, he was actually the textbook, he was the author of a textbook on dentistry that was used by the U.S. Navy at that time. And he was uh, also the head of the, what became the American Dental Association or the National Dental Association Research Lab with dozens and dozens of technicians working on this whole issue of dental caries and dental health in the United States in the 20s and 30s. And he was also known for his work on root canals that we discussed briefly last time. So as he's you know, going through his practice in a fairly well-to-do you know, city, Cleveland, Ohio, in the 20s and 30s, he gets more and more concerned about the increasing um, amount or numbers of dental caries or cavities that he's seeing in his well-to-do patients. And he was 
particularly concerned about children coming in with narrow jaws and um, crossed teeth and more dental caries, weaker teeth, um, and what they then called dental deformities and, and you know what we now just say are crooked teeth or buck teeth or whatever. So um, more and more people, in his view, were beginning to come in with tooth decay and dental deformities. And because he also had medical training, he could tell that they weren't particularly healthy in other aspects of their life, like they had sinus problems or they were getting sore throats and colds or they had, you know, they had a funny gait or they walked crooked or you know, their jaws were narrowing, that sort of thing. And he um, was beginning to suspect that there might be a, co a correlation there. Okay. So it's interesting because he clearly was a keen observer. And, and it's one of those funny things about life, isn't it? That I, I can be completely unaware of obvious things. And then you meet these people who can just pick up discrepancies and these great people, just great observers. Everyone else is just accepting that, oh, yeah, have cavities, have buck teeth and carrying on. But he was saying, hang on, there's something here, which is that first question, isn't it? It is, and I have reason to think from what I've read and observed and studies I've done of Weston A. Price's work that a lot of the, for want of a better term, a lack of accurate thinking that increasingly we are experiencing and people swallowing, pun intended, the narrative, various narratives throughout our life is a result of poor brain connections, okay, which mm. comes back to poor neural system, nerve system, um, brain matter function, all of which comes back, for the most part, to inadequate nutrition, lack of those essential fatty acids, vitamin A, D, K2, and conjugated linoleic acid that Price did his research on and that he found primitive. And pardon me, I don't mean to be derogatory, and I put it in mm. air quotes, but that is what we collectively in the Western world called people who were still, you know, isolated from modern commerce and were living in their traditional food and cultural ways okay they lived tribally and this is what weston a price did that was so um astonishing okay he decided that he needed uh, oh the other thing is he found he was hearing this the 1910s 1920s was a big era of um adventure and exploration you had people going to antarctica and you had people going you know places where we hadn't been before, and these stories were filtering back. And he had indicated that he was hearing people, these explorers or, or early um, adventurers, if you will, to remote places, come back and, and shake their heads in disbelief that they were seeing astonishingly healthy teeth. There's no dental decay. There were no dentists there, but these people had no need for them. So. He wanted 
with his questioning in his mind, what's causing this increase that I'm personally seeing in my professional career? Is it related um, to their other health problems that I'm also seeing increase? And is, does that have something to do with their nutrition? So, you know, um, he and Florence bundled themselves up, girded their loins, and went in the 19, late 1920s and early 30s over a 10-year period around the world to 14 different places looking at, in depth, the physical stature, health, um, dental health of these remote people and doing the sort of research that, as you mentioned, we can no longer do. We no longer have a control group that hasn't been exposed, oftentimes multiple generations, to what Price called the displacing foods of modern commerce. They didn't live near a you know, trading post or an outpost or larger towns where they could get um, white flour or um, Crisco shortening, you know, sort of oils, fake fats, if you will, or sugars or preserved foods, like canned foods, canned peaches, canned fruit, that sort of thing. They didn't know what those were. They'd never seen them or used them. They were eating from their local natural landscape. And he found, just briefly, as a result, that they had astonishingly good dental health, very few cavities, like um, two to three cavities per thousand teeth, and in some instances, just one cavity per thousand teeth, which is unheard of. We all have multiple cavities in just one head for the most part. Oh, and by the time by the time we're eight years yeah. old. Yeah. Tell me, it's extraordinary. Because I recently had occasion to give an opinion on a beautiful movie taken in the 1920s in a New York street that had been colorized and sped up and it just looked like it was filmed yesterday. And the remarkable thing to my eyes and to everyone else that sees it is the astonishing good health of people. There's no obesity. They all had full faces but f compared to now it's a freak show if you went and took a picture of a modern mall yeah. but he was picking up the dental cavities and the deformities in the bones even back then they were sort of a harbinger of what was to of what had what was to come yes absolutely I mean he would he would if you put him in a Ricketon Mall or 277 and had him observe young people walking through that mall, he and Florence wouldn't believe their eyes. Yeah. He, he, he was so intrigued by these reports, including things like pictures from early um, explorers in the National Geographic mm. or, or reports from early, um, well, anthropologists, if you will, um, like George Caitlin in the United States, who spent 20 or 30 years living with um, a variety of Native American tribes 
in North America and drawing pictures of them and and describing you know, their teeth as white and straight as piano keys um, and, and this you know rude good health excellent posture they they were just the epitome of um, healthy Homo sapiens so Price was thought yeah I, I got to start out and he 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 went looking for people with beautiful teeth. Um, and he wanted to answer two basic questions. First question was, was it true that these, these um, primitive people had beautiful teeth? And if the answer was yes, he wanted to know what were these people eating? Was he going to find a link between what they were eating and their beautiful teeth? And short answer is absolutely he did. Um, in the 14 different places he went, and I've got a list of them here because there's so many. I don't want to leave anybody out here. But he took his camera, sometimes an, an actual you know, moving camera at that stage, and he went to isolated Swiss villages, um, the the Hebrides off the coast of Scotland. Um, he went to Inuits in Alaska and northern Canada. He went to a variety of North American tribes, um, <clears throat> including in the Florida Everglades. He went to the South Sea Islands, so Vanuatu um, at that, and Fiji. He went to, uh, visited Aborigines in Australia, and he went up the east coast of New Zealand to, to um, view Maori in their traditional food setting, and the Peruvian and Amazon, Amazonian Indians and African tribesmen. So this guy in the early 30s was definitely a scientific globetrotter. And, and what he found when he did detailed dental examinations of everybody could in the village, um, gave them physical examinations, and talked to them in detail about what their diet was and why were they eating what they were eating. Did they have a rationale for that? Um, he took samples of the food, preserved them, sent them back to the laboratory in Cleveland, Ohio, and analyzed them. And what he found was that, I mean, he had talking averages here because people didn't have exactly the same diet. You were not going to be eating the same thing in an isolated Swiss village as you were seaside in Fiji, for example, or in the middle of Africa or Amazon. But what he found was consistently those people were drawn to eating in their environment those things that were particularly high in animal fat whenever they could find it and in fish. And insects as well. And what he ended up when he did all the calculations from all of those thousands of food samples from around the world, he found that you could look at just about any of those situations, no matter the fact that they were so different in their actual environment, those people with the beautiful postures and broad smiles and immaculate teeth and calm dispositions, they were getting four times more vitamins and minerals, well, four times more minerals 
in their diet, their general diet, than his Cincinnati, uh, sorry, Cleveland, Ohio dental patients. And what's more, they were getting 10 times more vitamin A and D and K2. And it really didn't matter whether they, once I, once again, they were, they were in the Everglades or they were, you know, in um, Ruatoria. They were Isn't that amazing? Because it, I remember reading in that Swiss village, it was sourdough bread, butter, and cheese from their cows. They didn't eat a lot of meat because they need, they yep. kept, they revered their sort of cows and kept their cows. In the Hebrides, it was fish. And so as you went around, and and the diet was amazingly varied because of the nature of where humans were living, but it had this consistency of um, animal fats and minerals. Tell me, I love the story of the Swiss village. Because it's hard to imagine now that you, I forget the name of the valley, but there could be such a place so remote in Switzerland. Because yeah. it was uh, way my, up my, in underst- my understanding is that um, it was, I think they were able to get donkeys or small horses up there, but it was, it was a foot trail yeah. into those villages and they were completely cut off during the winter and that they had defended it for hundreds and hundreds of years because there was only like one pass to get in and it was easily defended and it just happened that he could fly by plane to Switzerland there was a road had just gone in that he could get to and then with donkeys or whatever he could get up there and here were these remarkable people living in this extremely tough environment and who were European. And I guess that helped because, you know, you're thinking, oh, well, maybe it's a genetic thing. But these were Europeans. And the story I recall was they were Catholic and they supplied the Swiss guards to guard the Pope because they were renowned for their physical prowess. They were definitely the yeoman of the bowmen. They were um, very dynamic. The other part of that that I've heard mentioned is that here they are, you know, you have valleys that are just, you know, one mountain range over or one set of peaks over, still Swiss, um, and yet had been eating, you know, standard European Process comparatively processed food of the time, white flour, that kind of thing, and the um, the young men from the Loenchau, I think it's pronounced Valley, were you know it was like oh my gosh those guys are coming down to our you know our uh, sports day damn it we're you know they'll they're all going to win you know we might as well yeah. go home now because there was even known at that stage to be a marked difference in their physical endurance, their speed, and their prowess. And, and, and what... Weston A. Price and his wife could be inspecting an older person, like a mum or a dad, or dad typically, because this is how it would go, 
And he could look at them and say, you haven't always lived in this valley, have you? Right. And they would have had two years in Rome. And he could tell that they'd eaten processed food all yep. these years later. Yep. There's definitely a link between nutrition and just every aspect of our bodily function and health. I mean, it's what we're dealing with now is 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 you know two or three or four, sometimes six or seven generations of Geigo, you know, the old um, early computing form um, meme about processing garbage in G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. You can't expect to get a good computer program if you're just programming garbage in. And the nutritional density and the quality of what we eat and how many contaminants or error codes it comes with absolutely determines our running program, if you will, our hardware and our software for our own bodies and our bodily function. The other two other dramatic stories from the book was in the Hebrides, I believe it was. There were two villages. One had become a trading port and the other hadn't. Do you recall that? And one was... I didn't. You, you mentioned this last time, but yeah, go yeah. ahead. And one was the picture of rude good health, mm-hmm. and the other one suffered tuberculosis, poor teeth, crooked teeth, buck teeth, because what we now know is maternal nutrition when you're carrying a baby is crucial to the jaw and hip development for the soon-to-be infant. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what Price found consistently across the board, despite all of these racial and environmental differences in these um, tribal groupings, were excellent health no degenerative disease, broad faces and big, wide dental arches, next to no cavities, very few birthing difficulties, and mellow, curious, generous, peaceful people. You have to contrast that with you know, what we are experiencing now with ever-declining health statistics that mirror the decline in the nutrient density, the vitamin and mineral content, of the foods we are growing, combined with our um, imposed narrative of the last 70 or 80 years that saturated animal fats and the attendant cholesterol are demonic, that they are bad for our health, and that they cause heart disease. I mean, this there were doubts about this hypothesis from the very beginning it has been repeatedly challenged and found to be lacking and found to have been literally manipulated and funded by the sugar industry and the vegetable seed oil industry to, um, you know, they started blaming red meat, um, fat, and cholesterol for the decline, you know, the rapid increase in heart attacks and degenerative 
heart disease starting from the 1910s and 20s when suddenly our sugar consumption went up and vegetable seed oil and cotton seed oil um, started substituting isn't for butter and most, lard. Yeah. Isn't that shocking? Like, mm. we, we talk of scandals around COVID, yeah. but these scandals go way back. The scandal of Ansel Keys, because he was the researcher that said saturated fat gives you heart, heart attacks. When he first presented that, the researchers in the medical field fell about laughing because it was so preposterous. And yet it was pushed by um, cereal companies, the sugar manufacturers, um, the refined food people, everyone that wanted to give you breakfast in a box compared to having uh, traditional bread with traditional butter, thick with cream, uh, having uh, bacon and eggs, and it was pushed and pushed. And now we we fall about because you still get little kids saying, oh, you know, bacon and eggs, can't eat them, putting salt on it. Oh, that's bad for you. Here, have this box, have the cereal in a box. Because, look, on the back of it, there's a guy doing a triathlon. So this is what's healthy. And you're thinking, it's so funny because I was brought up that way. Mm-hmm. That's what you thought, and you didn't question it. Yeah. But it's as soon as you see it, it's so absurd to think that a factory can make food, put it in a plastic bag and put it in a box and market it and convince you that this is healthy. And what we've been eating for thousands of years is bad for you. It's an extraordinary achievement. I just, I, yeah, I have to chuckle because otherwise I start crying. But, uh, you know, one of the things I'm, you know, increasingly, you know, find myself saying just to help people wake up a little bit is to just say, and how's that working for you? Yes. How is that working for us? Clearly, it is not with every generation we are losing face with. We have a massive increase in chronic inflammatory disorders like asthma and rashes and eczema and um, allergies in increasingly younger children. Many, like the majority of children in at least the US and similar to here, Um, grade schools are on some form of continuous medication for chronic disease. I mean, that's unheard of. I mean, who, when we were going through school, even knew what an EpiPen was? No. I mean, we we clearly have a deterioration. And I'm sure some people will say, and they did back in the day. Well, so what's so wrong with having crooked teeth? You know, you just go to an orthodontist, you get that fixed. That's not a problem, right? It really doesn't matter. Can't we just fix it with braces? But the things that are associated with children, people who have crooked teeth and narrow jaws are narrow nasal passages, which means they tend to get more frequent infections. We do mouth breathing. We get sleep apnea, all of which have even larger flow-on effects in terms of our health. We tend to have, with crooked teeth, we tend to have constricted ear canals. So more frequent hearing problems and 
ear infections. Um, we have, and this is one that gets me, reduced surface area in our lungs if we have crooked teeth. So there's the link to asthma, bronchitis, and more chest infections. We tend to have digestive disorders, so leaky gut and Crohn's also on the rise. We have bone problems because we're not laying down bone properly. That's what is the initial in the womb cause of the narrowing of the jaw that causes the crooked teeth, okay? So bone is a problem, one of the big problems when we don't get enough vitamin A, D, and K2 in the uterus when we're um, in that first, you know, nine months and before. So with bone problems, flat feet, um, hip and knee problems, splayed out gates, and easily broken bones. I can't believe the number of times kids are just falling down, minor falls from which they should bounce for the most part, and they end up breaking something. This is a lack of bone tissue integrity caused by, put it bluntly, not enough eggs and butter in our breakfast, not enough seafood, and a whole host of processed foods, including extruded grains like you know the cereal in a box that we eat that can literally pull minerals like calcium and magnesium and other critical trace elements out of our bodies when we eat them, unless they're prepared properly. And very, very few of us are eating them properly prepared. And certainly, if you're coming out of a box, um, they haven't been adequately soaked and fermented um, to get the, the inhibitors or the um, phytic acid out of those grains or legumes. So we, we not only are we not putting in enough of the good stuff, we're putting in a whole bunch of bad stuff that is making the problem even worse. So it all does come back to nutrition and nutrient density. And, you know, from my slanted view, farming. Well, it's, it's possibly pre-COVID this would be a harder message to sell. Yeah. Because you have to believe in either greed and profits, overwhelming truth, that politicians are swayed by big companies to make policy and uh, food announcements about good food and i mean the funny thing is you and i will chortle about this because the food pyramid didn't come out of the medical fraternity but it came out of the u.s department of agriculture which tells you everything that we need to know about the food pyramid these are extraordinary things that when you first come across them you can't quite believe that there could be so many bad actors involved and that the bad actors would overwhelm the obvious truth and the research facts 
and experiences of humankind, but they do. And those, you know, you don't advertise bacon and eggs. You demonize them and you advertise hornies in a in a in a box and put in a wee toy to boot for the kids. This is terrible, Phyllis, isn't it? I'm getting upset all over again just talking to you about it because what they've done to us, to you and me, mm-hmm. and to our listeners, and to our and our, our world around us, it's quite true when I'm away and I'm not having my bone broth or my Western A price food, I start getting, what's the word? Like tense, nervy. Um, I'm not emotionally stable. Yeah, and, and as soon as I as soon as I have some decent food, I calm. Mm-hmm. And and this was highlighted by Price's um observations that all of these people on their traditional high um vitamin and mineral naturally diets. Um, were very calm and mellow and curious and intelligent. And they were happy. You know, mm-hmm. And they had big dental arches. It was easy for them to smile. Smiling is very therapeutic. I mean, we, we, we get, we've allowed ourselves to buy into, um, you know, the more is better in so many areas. Um, more consumption, um, more work. And yet, you know, we're not seeing an increase in overall health or happiness or, um, you mm. know, positive relationships or world peace or, you know, reductions in greed or, or generally better environmental quality. So once again, I have to ask, you know, how is this approach that we're, this path that we're on where we believe that and most people eat some large part of their daily diet is processed foods, which are dead as a doornail and with an absolute minimal amount of actual nutritional value simultaneously laden with carcinogenic vegetable seed oils, Mm. carcinogenic and mutagenic pesticides. And you just wonder, well, yeah, no wonder. No wonder we're not healthy, and it's difficult to think altruistically, to think clearly, to think of others in effect, and be involved positively in trying to make things better if you're, you know, pretty much sick all the time. So, because the displacing effects of what did he call it displacing displacing foods, foods of, of modern, modern commerce commerce yeah yes which is white flour and sugar and seed oils i guess yeah. now a, a couple of things mm-hmm. these things travel down generations because we now know that like a baby forming in the womb needs good nutrition around uh, for mum. And scarily, that all her eggs are formed in the womb. It, it goes beyond that. It goes it, it, literally to the third generation yes. because 
the eggs that are in the baby yes. that's forming in the mother's womb are also um, impacting Affected. the eggs of the next generation. Yes. There is so there are it, linkages there. Yeah. When a wee baby girl is born, all the eggs she'll ever have are in her body. That's right. Isn't that extraordinary? It is extraordinary. It's a huge responsibility to eat. Um, and that's another thing. Bounteously when pregnant or before pregnant. That, that's something to stress. Traditional Rodney. cultures, yes. Um, just to put the fear of God in everybody here. Um, I was just reading last week about vitamin A. One of the main things that that Price is uh, on about, if you will, um, vitamin A from egg yolks, um, fine from cod liver oil, the things that we, we used to eat several generations ago, any form of animal liver, butter, and well, except with the cod liver oil, all of those meat animal products need to be from grass-fed animals. We can go into this why grass-fed is so important another time but it's new zealand's you know ace in the hole here in this it's paradise and it's paradise and we need to be doing it in a way that is genuine that we can document that what we're producing from our grass-fed animals including chickens is of verifiably higher quality and consistently so Okay. We we can no longer make these grass fed claims, um, and and think it will stick with our major, very savvy young professional mother of two children in the United States or Japan or Europe or wherever. We have to document that. So um, that that vitamin A is found in things that for the last you know eighty, ninety, a hundred years we have been told not to eat or eat less of, okay? And we've substituted harmful foods, processed foods. Vitamin A needs to be in the mother's body prior to her getting pregnant in bounteous amounts, okay? Like lots and lots. Um, because within the first week when the egg meets the sperm um, in the fallopian tubes, that, this is even before it's moved into the uterus, that egg is beginning to divide. And it starts out with stem cells. And one of the, and the stem cells, you know, by the beginning of week two, the stem cells are already differentiating into nerve cells, heart systems, um, those kinds of things, okay? So those very first critical divisions need to be whole and complete and optimal for the immediate formation of that tiny, tiny embryo's body being cells and systems. And that translates on to their their structure for the rest of their life, okay, for the most part. Those differentiations cannot properly occur without adequate vitamin A. 
which is part of the reason that we're seeing a lot of infants born with heart problems or nerve problems. That's even before we get to the teeth. We have to have these essential fatty acids, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin K2, in both parents for at least six months before conception. And traditional societies had that. Before a young woman would marry, special food. They knew they'd keep the best. The sp- I remember in the Swiss Alps, they'd have that spring-fed butter mm-hmm. that they would keep aside because it was. they didn't know this. They didn't know what vitamin A was. But they knew that that spring-fed butter was special. They'd keep it aside and they'd feed it to the young, fertile woman. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely. And I mean, it's pretty gloomy and we see the results around us all the time in terms of poor nutrition. However, there is hope. There is recovery. Absolutely. Especially with small children fed um, nutrient dense diets, we can make big positive changes and inroads in even in dental arch width and the quality of their bones, but it means some substantial, consistent alterations to our food consumption. So if I'm at home listening to this and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, and you and I, Phyllis, most people in the Western Apis, a prize society that I meet, which is a wonderful organization, which we have to discuss, because if you're interested in this, you should become a member. It's wonderful and get the newsletters. Most people that I met that were members of the society had actually suffered from chronic disease and they got no relief from traditional medicine. They turned to Western A. Price amongst many, many things they tried changed their diet, and actually recovered. Yes. And these are dramatic testimonies over and over and over that you meet as a member of the Western A. Price um, Foundation. Foundation. Yeah. Now, so what are the... So it, th- it, 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 it brings the question, so what, you know, here we, we're, you know, burbling on and waxing enthusiastic about this. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's... In, I want to say and start out with what are the three key principles of yes, what Weston A. Price found um, were the basis for these 14 different and disparate examples of healthy traditional diets. And they were, first and foremost, clearly no processed foods. So no displacing foods of modern commerce. There was animal foods, a variety of types, in every diet, and they were prized. And there was nutrient density. There were high levels of vitamins and minerals. Okay, so, you know, one of the big ones in there is animal products. Okay, well, we're supposed to be eating less red meat, and certainly seafood is getting harder and harder to access. Um, This can create some challenges here. So when when Weston A. Price 
you know, says animal products, he was talking about fish and shellfish, including the organs and the oils and the bones and the heads. This is what we now call, you know, nose to tail eating. You eat mm. everything. It's become a big thing in fancy restaurants. And he found the best bone structure among those eating seafood, which is why he makes several references to Maori on the East Coast being some of the healthiest, um, most beautiful people on the planet. And this was and you know, reflected was... by the early um, explorers as well, yes. the scientists. Saying, the healthiest, wow. The healthiest people on the planet? Mm-hmm. And when the displacing food of modern commerce arrived, plus alcohol, yeah. the loss in their health and motivation was absolutely criminal and dramatic. Well, and it was within a, within it was within a heartbeat. Mm. And there was suddenly the the reports went from how wonderful, healthy are these people to what is wrong with them. There are way we can recover. Tell us what I'm listening at home. I'm listening at home. What can I do tomorrow for myself and my kids? Okay. Now I would say the first thing is to stop eating consuming in any form, and that includes in processed foods, any form of vegetable seed oils. Okay, now go, oh my gosh, you know, what what does that actually mean? It means you go to your cupboard, you open it up, and you remind yourself that all of these industrial seed oils are one form or another inflammatory and toxic. Okay, so stopping all industrial seed oils, when I say that, that means canola, soy, corn, sunflower, safflower, rice bran, grapeseed, and margarine spreads. Okay, none of these are natural oils. They've all been highly processed under, you know, varying amounts of very high heat extreme pressures and chemical extractants and deodorants and bleaches, including hexane, um, which is a a decided carcinogen. Hexane is just nasty. You don't want any amount of hexane coming through in your oils. And these oils are what we have been programmed to consume on the notion that they are low in cholesterol, they're not saturated animal fats, therefore they're better for our heart. The actual scientific facts and nutrition is just the opposite. We need for heart health the fat-soluble vitamins A, D, and K2 that are in tallow, pork lard, butter, ghee, egg yolks, all of those things. So um, seriously. I mean, I know several rural families who were <laughs> the the son and the father farmers were gloating about the fact that 
um, the wife and mother was going to be going away for a week or so, and they were going to get out the deep fat fryer and go down and get some beef tallow drippings from a bunch of them from the supermarket and eat deep fat fried food every day she was gone. And I, at that stage, I kind of looked at them funny. I thought, oh, this is, this is a little strange. I hadn't quite gotten on to the, the real dangers of um, these deep fat frying industrial seed oils. And everyone said, oh, deep fat frying is bad. Yes, it's bad if you have, you're using these industrial seed oils, which most fast food um, places actually do use. But you can find those that use tallow and ask, you know, when, when you, when you put this, when you put that fat into the fryer, are you pouring it in or are you dumping it in in a block? And if they say we dump it in this big whitish yellowish block, that's beef tallow. That's a health product. Okay. So don't, you know, go eat as, you know, fish, fried fish and potatoes, if you must, um, as your form of processed food, but make sure that it is a saturated animal fat. Okay. So all number of those one. things. Number one. Number, number two, two. Stop eating breakfast cereal. Okay. Those are um, extruded grains, like all of those boxes on the supermarket aisle, and even including granola, although it's not excluded unless it has been soaked and to a certain extent fermented. Those cereals will pull minerals out of your body. They have, um, through their phytic acids, and they have enzyme inhibitors. We need enzymes to digest our food properly. And we're putting enzyme inhibitors into our stomach and our small intestine with our cereal. Not a good idea. This is why traditional cultures soaked their porridges or made fermented in some form or another, all grains they ate. So, you know, get back to the um, the lamb chops or at least the eggs and bacon um, and butter for breakfast, okay? And the third thing I would say to stop is stop drinking any grain or nut-based sugar and vegetable oil-laden alternative milks, okay? Just stop. They are high in sugar, they all have damaging oils in them, and they carry next to no actual nutrition. They have no vitamin A and vitamin D unless it's added. Um, drink water if you are thirsty, but move away, especially away from soy milk, okay, which is very, very high in estrogen and in phytic acid. And in GMO constructs, for the most part, unless it's organic, and in um, pesticides, mostly herbicides like glyphosate. So you should be, especially for children, looking for raw milk. And raw milk um, gets a bad rap, and I hope we can do a whole session on real raw milk. But ultimately, um, we have an amazingly um, good access to raw milk, even though it's limited, here in New Zealand. And I encourage people to look on the Weston A. Price website 
for their local chapters. There are New Zealand chapters with contact details. The job of a Western A. Price chapter leader is to know where to get raw milk in her district or region if it's available. And by raw milk, we mean unpasteurized, non-homogenized milk. Grass-fed and preferably organic. Mm. Those things do exist. And I promise you, I never drank milk my entire adult life. And when I read about Western A. Price, I researched through my Western A. Price chapter and I found raw milk. I, honest to goodness, it was like buying, um, you felt like you were buying whiskey in Prohibition, you know, the process because to find this place to get raw milk. And I came home with this raw milk and I sat there and I had a glass of milk before going to bed. I could not believe the taste. And I drank, I would never drink that watery rubbish that we get in the supermarket. I drank this milk and it was like being a little kid again. It was real milk. It's... And the taste, and I slept. And here's the other thing I discovered, and I'm not the best exemplar, but I found if I ate the Western A. Price diet, I was satiated. If I eat the processed food, I'm forever hungry. And this and is part of the explanation that contributes to um, the obesity. Because um, they're and, not and, they're hungry because they're not getting the nutrition. And we don't tend to get the signal for satiation. Our mm. bodies say, okay, we, we've had enough, time to stop now. Some combination of those two um, really is causing problems. We have so much to discuss. We've got bone broth, which is so easy to make, and it adds such great flavor to your food. But here's a unsung hero in all of this. We've got Weston and Florence Price. We have, of course, the indomitable Sally Fallon. Mm -hmm. who's the, set up the Western A. Price Foundation, wonderful. But her co-collaborator, who sadly passed away, Mary Enig, what a wonderful woman. Wasn't she? She was She was a, a stalwart. I was going to say a warrior, but I, um, she was quite a calm, centered person, and she'd have to be considering the um, scientific um, beat-up that she received when she started challenging the uh, nutritional mainstream with her discovery of the harms of trans fats. And she was proven right. And she was proven right. Trans fats were the thing to be eating, and then they, they had to admit that Mary Inig was right, and the tragedy of, of it was they admitted that she was right about trans fats, but she was wrong about everything else. <laughs> what a terrible what, world. What I, I was heartened by, um, I've listened to an interview of, of Mary Enig describing uh, when she was called up 
at the University of Maryland in the lipids department or the nutrition department there. This would have been in the in the mid to late 70s. And the um, there were two representatives from the vegetable seed oil or the lipids association, oh, something like that. Okay. There, um, and they in the presence of her supervisor and the other professors or whatever, um, were very jolly about the whole thing. And they were talking about her, her, you know, peer reviewed journal article that had come out and that this would never do. And they really couldn't believe it because, you know, one said, you know, I was supposed to be looking at all of these journals to making sure nothing um, that countered our narrative about how great vegetable oils were came through. And this guy here, he was supposed to be looking at all those other ones. And we messed up and we missed stopping, in effect, your article before it was published. So, you know, just don't do anything like that again, or we'll yank your university funding. And to the credit, gives me hope, the University of Maryland turned their back on the vegetable seed oil industry. They did not fire Mary Enig, and they never got any more money for nutritional research from that industry. It's wonderful, people listening, that they can dramatically change their diet very simply, just by the three steps that you outlined, and a whole new world uh, opens up to you, and literally... You feel better in days. Oh, one of the things that I find interesting too is is that we have, God, how many fad diets have there been? I mean, every week there's another fad diet, you know, eat this, eat that, don't eat that. And I've got a funny view that most diets work because they involve cutting down on processed food. And um, processed food is... It's our food supply right back to our soil that we're struggling against. Yeah. Oh, Phyllis Titchenant, we're going to have you on as a regular. We feel so blessed that you're on the planet. We feel so blessed that you're here in New Zealand. We're triply blessed that you'll come on our show and share with us your knowledge and experience. Tell us about the great people whose shoulders we can climb up on and peer out into the into the distance and dramatically improve our lives. You've done a huge amount of work in the New Zealand dairy industry, which we haven't touched upon, but we will. But thank you. Thank you so very, very much. My pleasure. Thank you, Rodney. And to everyone listening We've gone through, um, you know, the last four years of having, as we used to say, the scales drop from our eyes about a lot of things. And if we want to be up for the play and up for being healthy and having beautiful, intelligent babies and better systems, better politics, all of those things require us to, to be healthy enough um, to take up the challenge to Here think accurately and nutrition is all about that so eat more new zealand butter it's good for you there we go that's rally check radio real talk with rodney hyde we should be calling this real food
because that's what the discussion is, eating real food, not the Utsak food, not the fake food that comes in a box, but the real food that New Zealand produces and can produce in absolute abundance. And we're living in the land of plenty here with our butter and our meat. And don't forget the organs, the bones, the bone broth, and the flavour is exquisite. I pour I pour bone broth over everything, make gravies and make sauces, and quite ordinary food becomes beautiful with a beautiful sauce. But more on the cooking uh, next time because we can talk about Sally Falloon's wonderful book. Uh, what is it called, Phyllis? That one, traditional nourishing yeah. traditions, nourishing yeah, traditions. It. Oh my goodness, what a cookbook that is! It's basically French food because the French are such great chefs and cooks and it's that nourishing food that you can get uh by cooking traditionally um yeah. and just a final plug rodney i really um i'm going to repeat the western a price foundation yes. website yes. um link it's western a price all one word and that's spelled w e s t o n no space, the letter A, and then price, P-R-I-C-E dot org. And it is a goldmine of easily accessible uh, and understandable information about wise traditional eating. There we have it. The wonderful, fantastic Phyllis Titchenen sharing her knowledge with us. I'm sorry, listeners. I know I talk too much, but it gets so excited. And I actually get angry. I get angry with myself because you buy into the rubbish that you get taught. You can't believe. You can't believe that for decades and decades and decades, let's make no bones about it. We've been lied to and led astray. It's just affecting us and it's affecting our children and we can turn it around tomorrow. We just have to be armed with the knowledge and the discussion and we can make a huge difference in all our lives and all our thinking and even our emotions it's fantastic absolutely lovely to have you along phyllis we'll talk soon reality check radio real talk with rodney hyde thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed the show with your help we can continue to fight for freedom this is not possible without your generosity join our quest for the truth and our freedom simply visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate to make a difference today